Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Our catechesis today will continue in the book of Leviticus, um, which isn't just uh, prescriptions, but actually has a, a good chunk of narrative portion, and I think we do well to pay attention um, especially in distinguishing the Aaronic priesthood from, um, well, Christian pastors, and also uh, you as Christian priests, laity. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute. It's good to have you checking in in the chat. Some of you have already done that. I appreciate that. Uh, I trust that uh, um, that you feel free to ask questions as we go along. Uh, I don't mind being distracted. My uh, undiagnosed ADHD would be as perfectly happy with you sending sending me on all sorts of distracting tangents. I, I actually enjoy that. So uh, feel free. All right. First, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, uh, let's pray our psalm, and I think today is the day for the meditation on the psalm. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things, you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. As I said, I think today is an appropriate day for us to have a meditation on the psalm. And I like to use the book by Father Patrick Henry Reardon who was Episcopalian and then became Eastern Orthodox. So he bridges both East and West, which is uh, helpful because he's quite, he's aware of both. Um, and of course, we're a Western church, so 
um, it's I think it's helpful for us to hear things from an Eastern perspective as well. All right. Psalm 86 is another psalm of the Lord's suffering and death. As such, it contains his prayer to the Father for deliverance, especially from that last enemy, which is death. See 1 Corinthians 15. Thus, Jesus pleads, Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my soul, for I am holy. O God, save your servant who sets his hope on you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I cry to you all the day long. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, have I lifted up my soul. O God, transgressors have risen against me, and the assembly of the strong has sought out my soul, nor have they set you before them. Among the important themes in these lines, one will observe our Lord's deliberate identification with the poor and needy. Right there in verse 1. As a poor man without wealth and the power that wealth can afford, Jesus is unjustly condemned by those who, for their own reasons, have decided that he must die. Sold and purchased for a price, found guilty by a fixed jury on the testimony of perjured witnesses, condemned by an intimidated judge, our Lord makes himself one with all those myriad human beings who suffer persecution, even death, by those willing and powerful enough to inflict it. However, even when he says of himself that the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, Matthew 8.20, it is important to remember that the poverty of Christ is more than a mere social and economic condition. Rather, it is integral to his being God's servant. Quote, O God, save your servant. You see that in verse 2. Who sets his hope on you, gladden the soul of your servant. Verse 4. In various places in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the servant, most especially in the setting of his sufferings. Quote, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10.45. It is well known, of course, that in such statements our Lord was showing himself to be the servant of the Lord, spoken of repeatedly in the second part of Isaiah. The poverty of our Lord is also a metaphor for his assumption of our fallen flesh, when not considering his equality with God a thing to be grasped uh, grasped at, he quote-unquote emptied himself and assumed the quote form of a servant, Philippians 2. As St. Paul elsewhere teaches, quote, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich, 2 Corinthians 8. Another key idea in the psalm is that of our Lord's holiness. Guard my soul, for I am holy, he pleads. Two things should be said of this holiness of Christ. First, it is like no other holiness on earth. It is not, as with the rest of mankind, a derived or relative holiness. Right? We'll talk about that with the priesthood. Because Christ, being God incarnate, is the font and principle of man's holiness. In comparison with even the, holy, the holiest of others, consequently, the holiness of Christ is not simply one of superior decree. For his holiness is not an effect, but a cause. Christ is holy, not as a result or consequence, by way of premise and principle. He is the quote-unquote holy one of God, John 6, 69. Whoever else is holy is holy because of Christ. Such is the sense of that line in the great doxology where we say to him, you alone are holy, Jesus Christ. Right. So we'll talk quite a bit about that with the priesthood. Um, the priests were not holy in and of themselves uh, any more than Christian pastors are. But our holiness is a derived holiness, uh, a relative holiness, he calls it, relative to Christ. Second, the holiness of Christ, considered especially in the context of the, his passion and death, has to do with sacrificial consecration. All right, so 
Oh, well, I keep going. It is in going to the cross that Jesus prays, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. John 17, 19. It is by the holiness of his priesthood and his sacrifice that we ourselves are redeemed and rendered holy. For the price of our redemption and our sanctification is the, the precious blood of Christ and as of the, of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 Peter 1. Even as he prays in this psalm for deliverance from his adversaries, Jesus also speaks of the assurance of that faith, of which he is the author and finisher, Hebrews 12. In his darkest hour, he knows already the final outcome of the fight. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. John 10, verse 17 through 18. This is the assurance in which Jesus makes his prayer during the Passion. Quote, I will confess you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I shall glorify your name forever. For great is your mercy towards me, and you have delivered my soul from the deepest Hades. For Sheol. Okay. So um, often what seems to, to us in the scriptures, or especially here in the psalmody, uh, to be a little bit vague and, and less and kind of obtuse or sounds abstract, um, if you read it as a confession of Christ, you will find that it is far less uh, abstract and much more poignant um, since his life is recorded for us uh, with four evangelists. Okay. And of course, because we're in Christ, then uh, we share in his sufferings as he shares in ours. Let's pray our memory verse together. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Mark 10, verses 7 through 9. What is the fifth commandment? You shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. What is the sixth commandment? You shall not commit adultery. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in what we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other. All right. Our first reading today, and this will be very helpful to understand the role of Aaron in uh, relative to us as uh, Christian pastors, um, and you as Christians uh, made holy priests, uh, according to First Peter, is Hebrews chapter 7. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the, the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of law, of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from which no man has officiated at the altar. Hmm. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if, in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshy commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. He testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better in which, or bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. All right. So this is uh, more. Right, you with Lutheran ears um, hear this quite um, probably quite poignantly. The distinction between law and gospel, and namely that the law, um, the former commandment, uh, was weak and unprofitable for salvation, right? It made nothing perfect, only brought all things under captivity to sin, to quote from Paul um, elsewhere. And, but there is the bringing in of a better hope, that is the gospel, 
um, and which does not come by way of the Aaronic priesthood. The Aaronic priesthood, just like John the Baptist, is uh, preparing the way for Christ, preparing um, for the Son of Righteousness, the King of Righteousness, the King of Peace, Jesus, who is of the order of Melchizedek. I think it's really a beautiful uh, confession here to notice that um, that isn't to say that that Aaron wasn't not was not ordained uh, for his task, was not set up as a priest, um, but his priesthood was um, only for a time in preparation until Christ should come, right? And in the same way that the law is, in a broad sense. By the way, um, that means that uh, Christian pastors um, do not serve according to the order of um, Aaron, but rather serve according to the order of Melchizedek, the King of Righteousness. Our primary task is to preach the righteousness of Christ, that is to forgive you your sins in Jesus, uh, who brings you peace. All right. Uh, that doesn't mean that there aren't some similarities to Aaron. We'll talk about that here in our reading. Uh, but it is of a different sort. All right. Speaking of Leviticus and Aaron, uh, Leviticus chapter 9. It came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and elders to, of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a young bull as a sin offering and, an, and a ram as a burnt offering without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And to the children of Israel you shall speak, saying, Take a kid of the goats as a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year, without blemish, as a burnt offering. Also a bull and a ram as peace offerings to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil for today, the Lord will appear to you. So they brought what Moses commanded before the tabernacle of meeting. And all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, Go to the altar, offer your sin offering and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people. Uh, Offer the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Aaron therefore went to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron brought the blood to him. And he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar and poured the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, and the fatty lobe from the liver of the sin offering he burned on the altar as the Lord had commanded Moses. The flesh and the hide he burned with fire outside the camp. And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented to him the blood, which he sprinkled all around the altar, and they presented the burnt offering to him with its pieces and head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he brought the people's offering and took the goat, which was the sin offering for the people, and killed it and offered it for, for sin, like the first one. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the prescribed manner. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Okay, so it came to pass on the, what day? On the eighth day, now this is uh, quite important in the New Testament, eight um, is the number of the new creation. First uh, Peter chapter three, we're talking baptism here, right? New creation, that is new life, life in the forgiveness of sins, right? So we're already seeing, uh, seeing a, fulfill, or a foreshadowing of the fulfillment that is in Christ for us, to be washed clean um, in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. Uh, what was Aaron to present before the Lord for himself? Take for yourself. Um, a bull as a sin offering, a ram as a burnt offering, both without blemish and defect. All right. 
So we've heard about these already. Here Aaron is to offer them for himself first. The Israelites were to present, what did it say? Um, a kid of the goats is a sin offering, a calf and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year uh, without blemish, as a burnt offering, that's Thanksgiving offering, and an ox and a ram as a peace or fellowship offering, and then the grain offering mixed with oil. We didn't uh, read about those, the peace offerings, the grain offerings. All right, just a little bit. And then what would happen or appear um, to the Israelites in connection with their offerings? You see verse 6, this thing which the Lord has commanded to do, and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And then you see in verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle meeting, came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. All right, so this glory of the Lord is quite quite important. It's related to the life of Jesus, of course. Um, we hear about it uh, most explicitly in John's gospel. Let me pull that up. John chapter 12. This is after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Um, and he's in the temple, I believe. Well, he's with the Greeks at the feast. So I think it's in the temple. In any case, he says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say, unless a grain of wheat comes to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So the glory of the Lord for Jesus appears actually in the most inglorious moment of all in um, darkness and, and death at his cross. Right, but that's where the glory of the Lord is, is appears in the life of Jesus. Underneath the opposite, Luther, Luther rightly recognizes there. Um, the glory there is in his mercy, not in his bright shining face or something. All right. Um, what sacrifice had to be made first? I think this is worth noting. Moses said to Aaron, go to the altar, offer your sin offering and burnt offering, make atonement for yourself and for the people, then the offering of the, offer the offering of the people. All right, so Aaron would offer his first, um, and then take, dip his finger in the blood, put it on the horns of the altar, pour it on the rest of the base of the offering. Then the burnt offering for Aaron would be offered. And again, the blood would be sprinkled all around the altar. All right. So the question is, why would Aaron's sacrifices for himself need to be made first? Well, Aaron is going to be given to handle the holy things. So first he must have um, that cleansing applied to him. Right. So this is why in, in the whole history of the Christian church until very recently, I don't know why this or when this changed for some of our uh, pastors. Uh, pastors always uh, receive the Lord's Supper first and then distribute it to, say, an elder and then to the people. They would not distribute the holy things before they themselves first receive the holy things from the hand of the Lord. So I asked the children this morning, uh, so who forgave Aaron his sins? Oh, God did. By, receive, by offering the sacrifice? Yes. right. And then he turn, in turns offers God's forgiveness to the people when they um, offer the sacrifice that God has uh, attached his forgiveness to. Right? So you see, um, the, the wrong understanding is that the pastor communes himself. <laughs> I mean, I, that's the language we use, um, but it is, it's not helpful. First, the Lord communes the pastor, then the pastor in turn communes the people on behalf of the Lord. You see how that works? Because it's the gift given by the Lord. Not, it's not the pastor's, the pastor doesn't do anything, it just receives, Right? And even the reception is done in faith. So forgiveness is always a gift received. It's not a, a gift accomplished um, by the doing of a thing. Um, it's attached, the word of promise is attached to the doing of the thing, but it's the word of promise that makes it what it is. We talked about that, Lord's Supper and Baptism, right? The word of God in and with the water does these things, for example. All right. So um, if you ever wonder, why does pastor commune himself and then commune um, the assistants and then communes the people? 
Um, it is a reflection of the Aaronic priesthood, but I think it's also a reflection of the fact that Christ's body and blood is a holy thing, right? It's been set apart by God for his good use to deliver forgiveness to you. So um, treat it as such, right? Um, I also wash my hands too, by the way, um, with the uh, with the high-proof alcohol substance that we've got on the, <laughs> there for that purpose. Uh, added that during COVID. Some, uh, some churches have a, a basin uh, with water, like the priesthood, and so they would, uh, that's called the ablution, they would wash their hands in that. Uh, I had that in Indiana, it was uh, quite, quite nice as well, to, to teach about the pastor's sins are forgiven before um, he in turn forgives yours in Jesus' name. All right. Then we have the third offering, of course, now the offering on behalf of the people, right? Their sin offering, and uh, that's the goat, which is offered for sin. Um, did Aaron do all these things under, uh, what, under his own direction or something? Or rather, were these things done in faith uh, according to the word of the Lord? Of course, the latter there. Uh, by the way, when he blesses the people, I'm going to flip the full screen so you can see this, right? He holds up his hands to bless, and you've seen me do this um, in the conclusion of the divine service usually. Um, that ironic uh, blessing, you can see it's cruciform shaped. You have your hands outstretched. So we already have another... Um, with the words of blessing, we already have connection to the cross as well. Um, I don't think that's incidental. All right, so then Moses and Aaron go into the tent of meeting, right? And then when they came out, they blessed the people with God's blessing, having offered the sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord appears. Right? This is just like uh, Jesus' death and resurrection. Christ goes in, um, into death, and then comes out, and the word that he repeats over and over, um, coming out is peace be with you. He blesses he blesses everyone after his resurrection, right? So he goes to the Father as the sacrifice and returns as the blessing for the people. Um, then the fire comes out from the altar, which is incredible. When did that happen? There's another time that fire uh, from the Lord comes down and consumes the sacrifice and the water and the stones. That would be in First Kings 18 when uh, Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. And in a similar way, um, this is a, an, an awful moment. Um, awful in the best sense of the, not, we would usually say awesome today instead of awful, but uh, full of awe. They fall on their face, uh, maybe terrified uh, of the fire, but also um, inspired, uh, awe-inspired by what God has done here, accepting uh, the sacrifice that he's appointed and delivering that forgiveness that he's promises to give there. Uh, so it is right for Christians uh, to kneel or to bow, um, having heard the word of forgiveness and receiving Christ's body and blood for example. All right. Uh, good. Let's summarize. The blood of the sacrifice was essential for the people to see God. Without the blood, the glory of the Lord would kill them. But when they looked at the glory through the blood of the sacrifice, they would behold the true glory of the Lord, that is, his compassion and forgiveness. So also the glory of the Lord is fully revealed only in the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Aaron lifted his arms in blessing, so our Lord lifted his uh, arms and blessing from the cross. He became the sin offering and entered the most holy place with his own blood, Hebrews 9, that he might reveal to us the glory of the Father's love. As Moses and Aaron left the tent of meeting and blessed the people, so our Lord came forth from the tomb after the sacrifice to bestow the blessing of the forgiveness of sins upon the whole world. The fire has burst out from the Father and devoured his own Son at the cross that he might that we might not be burned by his wrath, but be showered with the cooling waters his baptism. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week. I am Jesus, little lamb.
I have Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. For my shepherd gently guides me, knows my needs and well provides me, loves me every day the same, even calls me by my name. Day by day at home away, Jesus is my staff and stay. When I hunger, Jesus leads me, into pleasant pastures feeds me. When I thirsty bids me go, where the quiet waters flow. Who so happy as I am, even now the shepherd's lamb. And when my short life is ended, by his angel host attended, he shall fold me to his breast, there within his arms to rest. What a lovely hymn, huh? I know it's written for children, but there, there's some, something about being uh, so uh, delightfully simple. I think it's hard, actually, to compose a hymn that could say so much, um, but with such a narrowed vocabulary and uh, uh, with such a simple tune. But, uh, but it does it, which is probably why it's so beloved by us, all right? Um, today is a feast day. We didn't celebrate it last night, chose not to transfer the feast, and instead continue the sermon series in Matthew 18. You can go... Uh, watch or listen uh, to the sermon on our media platforms. Just go to the uh, link down below, stjohnrandomlake.org, and uh, go to church and then media, and you'll find it there. All right. But today is a feast day when the Holy Church rejoices to celebrate and remember St. Matthew, apostle and evangelist. St. Matthew was also known by the name Levi in the Gospels. He was originally a tax collector by trade and thus would have been viewed by the Jewish populace as a traitor and a sellout to the Romans. Hmm, That lingers, doesn't it? (laughs) The account of the Lord Jesus calling Matthew is found in his own gospel in chapter 9. And that's the gospel text for today. Matthew was sitting at his tax booth one day when Jesus passed by. The Lord simply said, follow me. And the man who had devoted himself to acquiring money at the expense of his own people got up and walked away from his table, his money, and his old life. Jesus joined him at his house for a meal that celebrated Matthew's newfound calling. Many of his friends, who were also tax collectors, joined in the feast. At this, the Pharisees grumbled that Jesus was not more discriminating in his choice of dinner guests. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When he heard it, Jesus responded, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew 9, 9-13. Again, the gospel text for today. Not only was Matthew then one of the Lord's disciples, but he was also sent as an apostle and finally used by the Holy Spirit as the evangelist who wrote the gospel that appears first in the New Testament. Matthew's gospel portrays Christ as the prophet greater than Moses. It divides into five sections reminiscent of the five books of Moses, five discourses. Its first long discourse, given on the mountain, relates how Christ explicates the spiritual meaning of the law. He alone recounts the perspective of 
of Joseph in the account of our Lord's infancy. The dreams of Joseph by which the angel directs his actions, the visits of the Magi, the slaughter of the innocents, the flight to Egypt. Matthew's Gospel contains the fullest version of the Beatitudes and of the Lord's Prayer. He portrays Christ always as the fulfillment of various Old Testament prophecies, whose blood of the New Testament inaugurates the Age of Grace. His account of the post-resurrection command of Christ to make disciples of all nations by baptizing in the triune name and, importantly, teaching the baptized to lay hold on all that Jesus commands that guides the church, church's mission to this day, to more or less of a degree, unfortunately. The church's traditions speak variously about his field of labors, but nearly all agree that he died a martyr's death. We pray. O Son of God, our blessed Savior Jesus Christ, you called Matthew the tax collector to be an apostle and evangelist. Through his faithful and inspired witness, grant that we also may follow you, leaving behind all covetous desires and love of riches. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray the collect for the week. O Lord, we implore you, let your continual pity cleanse and defend your church. And because she cannot continue in safety without your aid, preserve her evermore by your help and goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for the church and her pastors, for all missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, musicians, and other servants of Christ in his church. We particularly pray uh, that Abigail, who's coming to uh, audition for me this morning, will uh, be inspired to uh, play organ for us, uh, God willing. Uh, We also pray for the fruitful and salutary use of the blessed sacrament of the Lord's body and blood. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. This day we pray in Thanksgiving with Walt and Ruth celebrating their anniversary. We pray for all the households of our church, especially that of Tom, Dale and Pam, Stephen and Morgan, Aaron and family, Chad and Jolene and Dennis. Pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Pam, Joe, Dennis, Naomi, Christopher, Sophie, Brad and Ron, Doug, Bev, Donna and Joan, Jim, Pat, Wendell, Darlene, District President Willie. Continue to pray for our homebound. We pray for all the missions and mercy work of the church, especially our mission of the month, Federowitz families. Uh, we pray in, with a prayer of intercession of thanksgiving uh, for healing given to Marcy, who we've had in our prayers for some time. That's Amy Smith's sister, daughter of Jim Smith. And we continue to pray for students and teachers returning to class. Uh, we'll pray a prayer of intercession uh, for Madeline. Uh, that's the daughter of Matt and Vicki, who suffered miscarriage, loss of a child. Um, we want to grieve with her as well, and the family and friends of Kelsey, um, Ron and Nancy, and their family at the death at her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. 
Uh, no questions in the chat. Those of you watching live, ah, used to ask more questions. I, maybe that's a challenge doing so on uh, YouTube. Feel free to do it though. Um, those of you watching or listening later in the day and you want, uh, you have any questions about what we discussed, feel free to uh, reach out to me. I'm not trying to be controversial here, just trying to uh, fulfill that uh, command from the Lord that uh, not only baptize young and old, but that I teach you all the things that the Lord has commanded. So I hope it's been a blessing to you um, and encouraging to you, but also um, what gives you a better understanding of the role of the Levitical priesthood moving forward now into the life of the church. So um, with that, I bid you fond farewell. I hope to see you again in the morning. We'll be here at 9 a.m. All right. God be with you all. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.